Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. The scripture simply says, where there is no vision, somebody shout vision, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, and when we read the word law here, it's not so much like 10 commandments, but God's ways and precepts to do things in God's way. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Hold on, i got to turn off my low battery mode. My screen keeps going dark. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you again for today. Thank you for this word that I believe you have placed in my heart. I believe it's an on-time word. I believe that this is the word for this people that are here today. And I ask for your help. I ask that you would take over, fill me, fill my mind, fill my mouth, help me to follow your lead and to bring this word for this season. Father, that we will hear you speaking for what's happening right now and for what's to come. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Just real quick, uh, you could take this verse at face value real easy and get a whole lot out of it. Where people don't have a vision, they perish. If you're not working towards something, you perish. A lot of people give up in life because they feel like they don't have purpose. They feel like they don't have a goal. They feel like they don't have a plan. They feel like they don't have a reason. And they give up. And they give up. Or there is no vision. The people perish. But he who keeps God's ways, happy is he. And this is just a general thought. And I try to always bring this up. Proverbs are not promises. Proverbs are not promises. Some people try to read the Proverbs and take them like personal promises. Oh, God said, if I do this, this will definitely work out for me. And that's just not the, that's not the heart of the book. It's not the heart of the book. Rose and I were talking about this the other day. And uh, a few weeks ago, my cousin came to visit us, had never been to our house before. And when she, she was already in town... And so she came into our house kind of a back way. And when she left, it never crossed my mind to tell her the highway is right up there. I just took it for granted because we pull out and go that way every time. Well, when she left, I saw her drive down the other way. She went back out the back way. And so she had quite a detour before she got back to the highway. But that's the way she had, she had come in on. And I said, you know, I said... I, I should have told her to turn this way. I should have told her that when you turn here, 
it dumps you right out on the highway. And I said to Rose, I said, you know, I said, that's kind of like the Proverbs. I said, I could tell her when you leave our house this way, it puts you right on the highway. I said, but perhaps she would go that direction. Maybe there would be a wreck up ahead. Maybe there would be road construction going on. Maybe she would uh, run over a nail and blow a tire. And so she could come back and say, hey, what you said wasn't true. I went the way you told me to go, but it wasn't faster, and I didn't end up on the highway. Well, it was a proverb, not a promise. Come on, somebody. Yes, it was true. That is the way it works. But that doesn't mean there aren't going to be any challenges or anything. So remember that when you read the Proverbs. So this says, it's just a life lesson, and it's full of information. When you have no vision, you perish. When you do things God's way, you're a lot happier. Are you always going to be perfectly happy every day, all the time, even when you obey God? No. Why? Because life is life. But as a general rule, if you do things God's way, things work out a lot better. Amen? So we can just take the verse at, oh, let me see the little picture Rose made because I didn't get to look at it yet. It's a good picture. All right. I always forget to look back there. So we could take it at face value and it would just be good. But we're really going to look at this today. Where there is no vision, if I say the word vision, a lot of times, especially in church, we think about having, you know, a vision, you know, our calling in the plan. But just in the real plane, if I say vision, we're talking about this. If I have vision, if you cannot see, because today we're going to talk about being able to see and to perceive and to look ahead By the way, we're calling this message, Look Where You're Going. Would you turn to your neighbor right now and say, Look Where You're Going. Just tell them, Look Where You're Going. Okay, you told enough people. All right. (laughs) If you cannot see, you cannot move ahead. If you cannot see, You cannot move ahead. It doesn't take very long with your eyes closed to become disoriented on direction. If your eyes are closed, you instantly have to put out a feeler. Come on. You've got to find something to get your bearings and to know where you are. In short, if you cannot see, you cannot move ahead. Amen? We have a, a friend who lives in Florida, uh, the husband of one of my mom's best friends from years ago. His name is Jerry, and Jerry is blind, literally blind, completely blind. He lost his sight when someone threw a grenade into his foxhole in Vietnam. So Jerry has not been blind his whole life. He spent a whole life seeing. He was grown. And in a moment, his eyesight was taken from him. Can you imagine? 
Can you imagine? There are people that would go through this type of thing that would give up. You know, there are people that go through injuries and they go through tragedies and they go through different types of things and, and they give up. It's like they can't face life anymore. They never rise above it. But Jerry hardly even let it slow him down. It wasn't very long after he came back that he wanted to continue motorcycle riding. And he did. His wife, Fran, would get on her motorcycle and he would get on his behind her and he would listen. And wherever, oh, there's no crying in church. Wherever, wherever he would hear her motorcycle go, well, he didn't have to leave. It was just a joke. <laughs> oh, wow. Wherever he would hear her motorcycle go, he would follow. And they would ride motorcycles. He's an incredible woodworker. We were there one time, and he was showing us different little pieces of furniture he had made and some potato boxes and things, and he showed us how he would uh, carve the names in the top. Come on. He's a, a deep-sea fisherman. Tournament deep-sea fisherman. And that requires a lot of different types of knots. So he stood and explained to my dad and me the different kinds of knots and showed us how to tie them all. Incredible. Incredible. He's a mechanic. When uh, years ago when my mom and Fran were running around and uh, they had car trouble one day. And they got Jerry and brought Jerry to work on the car. They took another car and left Jerry there on the side of the road. And he said, it'll be done when you get back. Am I telling this right? And so they left for a few hours, and they got back. There sat Jerry, having fixed the car. Boat motor mechanic. He fixes them while they're in the water, scuba diving. Hasn't been too many years ago that there was problems with the boat motor, and so he put on his scuba gear, and he jumped into the water and went down and began to work on the boat motor. And he got it fixed, and uh, they were all freaked out when he got back up, having had no way to tell him about the alligators. <laughs> But anyway, he'd been down there working on that, on that boat. And what you have to understand is that Jerry lost his sight, but he never lost his vision. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference. No matter what happens to you, don't lose your vision. No matter your shortcomings, don't lose your vision. No matter your failure, 
no matter your setback, whatever tragedies have come, whatever losses you have experienced, whoever has left your life, don't lose your vision. Look where you're going. Keep looking ahead. Keep looking forward. Keep looking. When people lose their vision, they start looking around instead of looking ahead. And when you begin to look around instead of looking ahead, you move the same way you're looking. If you're looking straight, you will walk straight. If you are looking around, you will begin to walk in circles. You cannot look around and move forward. You have to look where you're going, and you are looking where you're going. Or I should say, you are going where you're looking. You are going to go wherever you're looking. And if you are looking around in circles, you are going to walk around in circles. The children of Israel, they started looking around after they came out of Egypt. They started looking around at their lack. They started to look at the food that wasn't there. They started to look at the fact that it was hard to find water. They started to look at the fact that they were in the wilderness. Instead of the familiar, I'll say, comforts of the slavery they came from, they knew where they were going at the end of every day. They knew where they were going to sleep. There was shelter. The meals were provided. But now in their freedom, they were unfamiliar, and they began to look around. They were looking in circles. And you know what happened? They walked around in circles for 40 years. And during the 40 years that they were walking around that mountain, they were never more than about 10 to 15 miles away from the promised land. There are those of you here that are daily walking so close to your blessing. There are those that you are just a couple of miles away from victory, and you stay so close to victory all the time, but instead you are walking around in circles, looking everywhere but ahead, everywhere but ahead. You can't look all around and go anywhere. So I want to tell you, no matter what is going on around you, no matter the storm, anybody going through a storm? No matter the pain, is anybody crushed? Is anybody sick? Is anybody experiencing loss? Is anybody in a confusing time in your life? Somebody left you, you lost something. No matter the opposition, is anybody under attack? Is there anybody that the enemy is coming against you, throwing everything against you to try to stop you? Don't look at what he's doing. Look at what God's doing. 
If you look at what the enemy is doing, you will move toward it. If you look at what God is doing, you will move toward him. Don't lose your vision. You have to look where you're going. You have to look where you're going. Why are little kids always trying to walk forward while looking behind them? Why will kids not look where they're going and running into stuff and falling off of stuff and cutting you off and cutting strangers off, running into people, running into shopping carts, running into crippled folks, trying to drive little things through Walmart? Would you... Turn and look where you're going. Why? Am I telling the truth? That got a bigger amen than anything I said about Jesus. Kids are always trying to walk forward and look behind them and talk to you. And why will kids never point their mouth at your ear when they're trying to talk? Why do they say, Dad, so I wanted to tell you that, and then you just turn, and the sound just leaves, and you pull their face back and say, put your mouth toward my ear. I cannot hear you. So kids trying to walk forward, looking behind them, trying to talk to you. Now listen to this. They get frustrated at you that you can't listen to them but you're too busy trying to keep them from running into stuff because they're not looking where they're going. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? You keep trying to get further while you're looking behind you. You're trying to move toward tomorrow but you keep looking at yesterday. You are trying to get to your future, but you're still having conversations with your past. And you're wondering why you're not getting anywhere. You keep wondering, why can't God hear me when I'm talking to him? Oh, he can hear you. But he is using all of the guidance that he had for you just to keep you from running off the path. So he can't talk to you about what you're talking to him about because you're looking in a different direction from the one you're trying to move. You can't look over your shoulder talking to somebody behind you and make it anywhere. Think about those that run races. You cannot win a race looking over your shoulder. You cannot win a race looking over your shoulder. You can never make it to the finish line watching the other runners. <laughs> What'd she say? 
<laughs> I'm trying. Rose and I were in a conference one time, and the guest speaker had had tremendous success in track and field and some very accomplished big races. And she said the number one thing that she had to learn in order to win was to not get curious about where the other runners were. She said, because in the fraction of a second that it takes to look and see, you lose so much speed and they gain. She said, I had to learn not to run against the other runners. I had to learn to run against myself. She said, I, yeah, come on, give the Lord some praise. She said, I had to learn to keep my eyes on the finish line, that that was my only goal, that it was no longer about beating them. It was about beating me and making it to the end. The Apostle Paul, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Wherefore, seeing that we are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weights, looking around at all this other stuff, and the sin which does so easily beset us. It slows us down. It sidetracks us. It derails us. It detours, beset. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Run the race that's set before you. A friend of mine told me the other day, he said, DJ, he said, the only people, he said, that are unhappy, he said, are the people that are trying to be someone else. He said, it's the people that are trying to be something that they're not, and it's just not, and it's just not working. You have to look where you're going. Where are you going? Where are you going? Maybe nowhere. Maybe you never thought about it. Maybe you just get up and live. Maybe you just get up and kind of mill around and exist. Not me. I'm living. I'm not looking to survive. I'm looking to thrive. I'm looking to divide and conquer. I'm looking to take over. Come on. I'm looking to be on top of this thing. I'll get all I can and can all I get. Everything Jesus paid for. If he paid for it on the cross, I want it manifest in my life before I leave this planet. I want his wholeness. I want his restoration. I want his life. I want his victory. I want his prosperity. I want his health. I want his joy. I want his peace. I want fellowship with the Holy Ghost. I want to have unity with the brethren. I want to win somebody to the Lord that doesn't know him. I want to see the lost saved. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see the dead raised. I want to see the people of God stand up and say who they are and do something great in this generation hallelujah that's what I want where are you going that's where I'm going I've plotted it out I got goals where are you going set some ask yourself when you go where am I going am I trying to get anywhere start taking some this has been coming up a lot lately self-examination and inventory self-inventory you cannot make it watching everybody else you've got to look where you're going. Everybody wants to go somewhere, but it seems like nobody's looking ahead. People want to get places, but they don't look ahead. They think that whatever they want to do in their life, 
They think they'll just sit here and do the same thing, and it somehow it will fall on them. They think that it'll somehow just happen. Nothing just happens. You have to take steps toward it. You have to work toward it. You have to set the goal and ask, what does it take to get from here to there? And you've got Nobody is successful by accident. And all of these celebrities and all of these singers that you think they appeared out of nowhere overnight, well, they've been working invisibly for the past 30 years. You just ain't heard of them yet. But they were doing something. Everybody wants to go somewhere, but nobody's looking ahead. Jesus said, seek ye first. To seek is to look for something. It is intentional. You don't accidentally seek God. It is intentional. I am purposely, intentionally, consciously pursuing him. I'm making a decision about things I want to go after, the relationship I want with God, and I am pursuing him. When there was some girl you wanted years ago, you knew how to pursue you went after. You tried to find out what you could find out. Favorite restaurant, favorite perfume, favorite this. And you pursued. You tried to figure it out. Everybody talking about they're seeking God. They're not seeking anything. They're barely showing up for church. But I'm pursuing him. I want to know him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these things shall be added unto you. Colossians 3 says this, If you then be risen with Christ, and I hope you are, how many are risen with Christ? That's not talking about one day when we lift up from this earth. That's talking about he, he done got up on the inside of you. Jesus, Jesus died for you. He got up for you. And when you received him, you died with him, and he got up on the inside of you. I am presently risen with Christ. I am in the earth, but I'm not of it. Come on. I live above it. I live on a higher plane. I don't, li I don't deal with things carnally. I deal with things spiritually. I'm not on the earth looking up. I am up in heavenly places looking down with God's perspective. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I am the righteousness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am a king and a priest, and a, I'm a royal priesthood and a peculiar people and a chosen generation. I am a son of the most high God and a little God on the earth. I am victorious. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not below. I am ahead and not behind. I am blessed in the field, and I'm blessed in the basket. I'm blessed when I come out. I'm blessed when I go in. Come on, somebody. Heavenly-minded, spiritually-minded, not earthly-minded. So I am looking where I'm going. I am looking ahead to where I want to get. And can I tell you, you have to prepare for where you're going. There are things that you are asking God to do, but you're not getting ready. 
There are places that you want God to take you, but you're not dressed for it. So he will prepare the place, but you have to prepare you, and you have to obey him. Anybody love Priscilla Shirer? So Priscilla Shirer said this. She was getting ready to go on vacation. Uh, maybe she said New Zealand. I can't remember if it, or it's Australia. Anyway, she said, at the time of year that I was going, she said, the weather was different in that part of the world than it was in Texas where I live. She said, so I was wearing one thing where I was. She said, but I couldn't pack that in my suitcase. She said, I had to pack for where I was going. She said, I had to look ahead to what the temperature is like there, what the climate is like there, what the atmosphere is like there. She said, so when I packed my suitcase, she said, I couldn't grab what was hanging right now. She said, I had to get into the seasonals. Come on. It was packed over here. She said, I have to pack for where I'm going. I wonder how many people are packing for where they're going. You've asked God to take you somewhere, but you're still dressing for this season. You're still dressing for this weather. You're still dressing for where you're living right now instead of looking ahead and saying, it's going to be different when I get over there. You've got to pack for where you're going. When it is snowy outside, and I love the snow. Who does love the snow? Who hates the snow? I've always asked that. I'm always curious. It's interesting. I love snow. I love snow. And when it, you love snow, who said it? Oh, Beckett loves snow. When it is snowy outside, I get dressed inside. Come on, somebody. When it is cold outside, I get dressed inside. It is uncomfortable for a minute because the house is warm, and now I'm getting all wrapped up like Randy on A Christmas Story. And it's hot for a minute, and I wouldn't want to dress that way to stay in the house, but I'm not planning on staying where I'm at. And so what I have to do is prepare, which is sometimes uncomfortable here, but I'm not preparing for staying where I'm here. I am preparing to go somewhere else. So when it's snowy outside, I get dressed inside. It's uncomfortable for a minute, but it beats going outside to get dressed. You see, too many people are living their lives waiting until they're out in the snow before they think about putting a coat on. So you ask God to take you somewhere. You did not get ready. God puts you there, and now you don't know how to operate because you're busy trying to find a coat that you should have put on before you ever left the house. Nobody wants to go to school. Nobody wants to learn while God is teaching. They want to learn when they get into the situation that he was trying to teach you for. And he's done teaching over here. He says, no, this is the test. I've been teaching you all this time. 
and you didn't want to read your Bible, and you didn't want to pray, and you didn't want to go to church, and you didn't want to heed godly counsel. You didn't want to talk to elders in the faith. You didn't want to fellowship with other believers and hear the advice of mature people around you. You didn't want to do that. And then you got in a bad situation, and you wonder why God is quiet. But when I was in school, the teacher never talked during the test. All of the teaching happened in the time leading up to the test. The teacher told us the test is coming. You've got to study this now. You've got to open the textbook now. We've got to go through the experiments now. We've got to practice our vocabulary now. We've got to rehearse now because this is recital time. This is test time. This is demonstration time. Come on, somebody. You've got to pack for where you're going. You can't lose your vision. You've got to look ahead you got to look where you're going. You don't wear shorts and a wife beater to an executive job interview. <laughs> you don't wear some old ratty clothes to the job interview and think, well, I'll buy a suit once I get the job. You'll never get the job. Don't get ahead of me. It's my line. You'll never... <laughs> You'll never get the job. What do you do? You've got, an, you've got a job interview for an, an executive position. You go down to men's warehouse or women's warehouse. <laughs> you go to men's warehouse, and you have the tailor to fit you. You tell the tailor the goal. Say, what are you buying a suit for today? I'm buying a suit for this. Taylor says, great, this is what we have to do. This is, this is the appropriate. This is where you will fit the look. This is where you will look like. You know, Paul said, I am become all things to all men that I might. It's not about being a poser. It's about being tactical and strategic. It's about knowing how to operate where you're going so people will listen to you. And so you tell the tailor, and the tailor gets your measurements. He says, do you like your pants to touch your shoes? you like to show off them crazy socks? you like a taper? you like a little more bag? you need a little more room in here? You say, oh, uh, Mr. Edwards, I see you don't have a behind. We're going to have to do this for you. And they do. That precious little, I don't know uh, if she was Japanese. She's the tailor for uh, K&G. And we're standing there, and she's drawing all over me in chalk, you know. And uh, there's no boundaries with the tailor. And she tells, and she tells Rose, she says, because look, he got nothing back here. <laughs> I said, you could have bought me dinner first. You go to the men's warehouse and you talk to the tailor and then you go ahead and drop several hundred dollars that you don't have to impress the executive board enough to hire you in the first place. You better start dressing for the job that you want and not the one that you've got. I heard Bishop Jakes say one time, he said, you better start preaching to who's coming instead of who's there.
Because a lot of times we, we just stay and operate on this level and then expect everybody to come in and change. But that level is not attracted to this. That only attracts more of this. And so if you want to go higher, you better climb a little higher first. And it's going to be uncomfortable for a minute. It's not going to make any sense. And it may not make sense to everybody in your life because they're not used to that from you. But you're going to have to raise the bar. You're going to have to raise the standard. And when you climb out, now you're attracting something different. I wish I could stay there for a while. Well, people want to pray for husbands. They pray for husbands, but they play with little boys. They act like they want to go further, but then they mess around with riffraff. You've got to start acting. I'm, and I don't mean acting like a fake kind of act. I mean your behavior. You've got to start acting according to what you're praying. You've got to start walking toward where you're asking God to take you. You better start behaving like the place you're going instead of the one you're trying to leave. You want the Ritz-Carlton, but you're acting like the Motel 6. You want a spouse, but you're not acting like a spouse. Proverbs said, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. It didn't say he who finds a girl. It didn't say he who finds a woman. It said he who finds a wife. If you want to be a wife, you better go ahead and become that in your living before God will send your Prince Charming along. Come on. You don't wait till you're in the situation to learn how to start operating there. Become wife material. Become husband material. Become hireable material. You want to be in this, become what they're looking for. Become the thing, learn the skills of the company that is in need, come on, of that position that will pay what you want it to pay. You can't pray to get a wife, men, and then behave like a child. You can't pray. You can't pray for a spouse and cheat on them before you meet them. You study now for the exam later. I know some of y'all can't get past it. You study now for the exam later. Y'all need to pack for your destination. For your destination. Which, by the way, I want everybody to pray with me about something. Because I'll probably be packing for a destination soon. Uh, Pastor David has sent me an official invite. And they want me... I, they want me in India, and I said, are you talking? Because sometimes I preach for them uh, on live stream, which is like 3 in the morning. But anyway, I, I said, you're meaning 
in person. Like he said, yes. He said, we are ready for you to come. He said, we want you to come and dedicate this temple and preach. And I don't know how many churches they got. And there's a lot of people. And so anyway, they want me to come. And I said, okay. I said, when do you, I said, what about dates? He said, you come anytime. He said, the weather is good from uh, November through February. So I'll go. So I'll go. And so I need you all to pray with me for direction and for wisdom about God's timing and the best situation. But before I go, I'm going to have to find out some things about there. I'm not going to just buy a plane ticket and go up like this. I don't know anything about India. And they scare me a little. Come on. There's all kinds of things going on in their world that, you know, we, we can run our mouth about how bad some things are in America, but by the way, this is still the greatest country on the face of the earth. And they got some scary stuff going on there. I need to find out some things about the climate. I need to find out some things about the, the atmosphere of what's going on, and then I am going to prepare my trip accordingly. Well, listen, you might not be going to India, but God is calling you up and God is calling you out and he's calling you deeper and he's calling you further than you've ever been before. And you need to pack for your destination. You need to dress for the job you want. You need to preach to who's coming. You need to look where you're going, where there is no vision. The people perish but he that keepeth the law happy is he. Vision here in this verse literally means revelation of the word of God. Having I, You ever met anybody, they knew a lot of Bible verses, but no Bible? They could quote all kinds of scriptures, but they missed the message. This literally means revelation of the word of God. Where there is no vision, where there is no revelation and understanding of God's word, you will perish. People perish when they are not eating and digesting the word of God. If you are not hearing the gospel, if you are not hearing God's new covenant of grace, if you are not hearing the finished work, if you are not hearing practical wisdom broken down, and revealed to know what to do in your life. Listen, we don't come here just for a party. We come here to eat. We come here to get direction. We come here to take it outside and to do something with it. If we don't do that, we perish without revelation of the word of God. Listen, you cannot run on an empty tank. You cannot run on an empty tank. You cannot have victory without understanding. You cannot live without food. You cannot see your next step without the Word of God. So this whole message is all about looking ahead, looking ahead, looking ahead. But you cannot look ahead. This is not just about personal goal setting. You cannot look ahead without God's Word. Because you don't know everything about where you're going. You only know what was on the brochure. You only know what was on the billboard. But God knows what actually exists in that situation. Have you ever gone to a restaurant that looked really great in the advertising, but the kitchen was a little funky? Well, God knows what's going on behind the scenes. 
God knows the inner workings. God knows what's going on. You cannot see. You're not going to be able to look ahead if you're not filling yourself with the word of God. The psalmist said, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. You all have heard me preach on this a million times, but it's one of my favorite things to say. So bear with me and let me say it again. In this time, they didn't have street lamps they didn't have paved highways in light all the way from one destination to another. And because of the part of the world that they were living in, it was extremely hot. The conditions were terrible most of the year for traveling in the daytime. So many times when people were on a long trip, they would travel by night so that the temperatures would not kill them, so the sun wouldn't wear them out and dry them out and leather them out. So they would travel at night, but there's no light they couldn't see. And so they would wear what is called an ankle lamp. It was literally a little lantern fixed to a, a leather strap that they would put around their ankles where there was light. It was a foot lamp is what it was called, an ankle lamp or a foot lamp. And it didn't show them 10 miles ahead, but they could see their next step. They had a heading. They knew by the stars which direction they were going. But they may not be able to see everything on the ground. where they So they wore an ankle, and it would light just, just around them. They would use the light of the foot lamp, and they could take another step. No, they weren't stepping on something they didn't want to. Know that their footing would be solid. Literally, this Bible verse is in reference to foot lamps. Your word does not tell me exactly where I'm going to be in 10 years. But if I will strap it to myself, if I will strap it to my walk, come on, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Come on, Bible study ladies in that armor. Well, you've got an ankle lamp and a foot lamp. Your word is a foot lamp because it shows me the next step. My God, it shows me the next. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. It shows me the next step where I'm going. We've got to get in the word. We've got to start praying. We've got to get to church and hear the man of God or the woman of God that he has placed in our life. And we have to start looking where we're going. Give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Get on your feet. Praise team, would you come? Hallelujah. Look where you're going. Get full of the word. And talk with fellow believers. Listen, God speaks through the Bible. God speaks through preaching. But you cannot imagine how much God will speak through godly conversation with fellow believers. This is why Philemon said, let the communication of your faith become effectual. By the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. As you communicate your faith one with another and you acknowledge the goodness of God, he says, let it become effectual. That means that when you do that, it starts affecting things. When you talk about the goodness of God, when you pray with one another, when you pour out your heart to one another, the Bible says it looses something. We know according to Ephesians, it's according to the power that works in you. We know according to John 7 that we have li living water running out of us, which is the Holy Spirit. 
It's the kingdom. It's the force. There is, listen, there is an energy force inside of you, which is the Holy Spirit. It is the kingdom. And you, you have a faucet. When you pray, you loose the kingdom from the inside of you to the outside. When you read, you loose the faucet. When you worship, you, you are loosing the streams and the rivers. When you talk with one another about the Lord, when you testify about him, when you witness, you are pouring. You are a kingdom dispensary. Come on. That's what you do. You're a Holy Ghost bartender. Come on. And you begin to pour out living water. They, they get drunk on new wine. It begins to to influence their thinking and affect the way that they're... Listen, when you get full of alcohol, it affects the way you look at things. It affects the way you walk. It affects your balance and the way you can see and what you'll say and where you'll go and what you'll do. And I'm going to tell you that when you start drinking of the Holy Ghost, He will change the way you look at things. He will change where you go, how you see, and how you walk, and what you let out of your mouth. We need it. We need this power. We need this life. He said the the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but it is love, grace, peace, and power and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Look where you're going. Get full of God's word and start moving ahead. There is hope for you today. It is not all over. Somebody needs to hear this specifically because you said this. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are ahead of you. The Bible says the end of a thing is better than the beginning. And your latter days will be greater than your former days. Now that's up to you. That's up to you. That's not an automatic. It's up to you following the precept. It's up to you following the dictates that are laid out in this book and the principles and applying the wisdom and leaning on him for the power to do it. But he did pay for it. You don't have to beg him. You don't have to convince him. He died on the cross. He said, it is finished. And he paid everything that could be paid. There's nothing left. It's signed, sealed, delivered. It's in heaven's reservoir, which happens to be you. You are seated in heavenly places and you have that reservoir. Heaven's reservoir is inside of you. The Holy Ghost is no bigger in heaven than he is right now inside of you. Jesus is no more powerful seated on the right hand of the Father than he is seated inside of you. Which, by the way, you're also in him seated at the right hand of the Father. It's just all, it's just, when I think of it, it's kind of like, Russian nesting dolls. I think about how... (laughs) Wrapped up, tangled up, tied up in Jesus. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. He's all over me, and he's keeping me alive. I feel him in my hands. I feel him in my feet. I feel him all over me. A lot of good theology in these old songs. I feel him so, I'd like to just keep preaching, but I probably ought to pray for people or something. So listen, I don't know everybody here. I don't know where you're from, and I don't know what you're going through. So we preach this whole time about look where you're going. Well, I want to tell you this. Statistics have shown that one out of one dies. 
The Bible said this life is but a vapor. And you are going somewhere. We've been talking about where you're going in life, but where are you going after? You better look where you're going. I don't run into the snow and put my coat on. And you're not going to run into eternity and then get saved. You have to put on the robe of righteousness now. How do you put on that robe for what's coming? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he left heaven. He came to earth. He died on the cross. He shed his blood three days later. He rose again from the dead, and he wants to live inside of you. The price has been paid. You, you don't have to convince him to save you. He's already decided that he wants to. But he gave you free will, and he doesn't force it. So you have the opportunity to say yes or to reject him, and that's up to you. But he loves you. His goodness is running after you. In all your life, he has been faithful. So you ought to surrender now. You ought to give him everything now. You ought to lay it down now. Look where you're going. Where are you going when you leave this life? Where are you going when you shed off mortality? When you shed off this container, when you leave this container made of dust and this body drops to the ground, when your family stands around your empty shell, where will you be? Where will you be? You make that decision today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today, faith is now. If you have never... that the Holy Spirit is saying to some individuals what he needs to say right now. Don't miss it. Don't listen with this. Listen with this. Listen with this. Everybody close your eyes. Don't worry about anything happening in the room. Just listen with this. step out of your seat right now and would you join me I want to lead you in a simple prayer I'll help you with the words but it will be your prayer as you receive him and ask for his forgiveness and accept his salvation would there be even one and I believe there is would there be even one here that says I want Jesus today I want to be saved I want to be forgiven. Come right now. Forget what anybody else thinks and come right now 
if you are watching at home, and I believe that he is speaking right now to so many hearts, you might be watching this live, you might be watching this later, months later, years later, but he's speaking to your heart right now. Just say yes to him. God, I say yes to you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And I believe you died for me and rose again. And I say yes. Wash me. Come in. Change me. Live through me. I offer you myself. With a, with a simple prayer, the simple act of faith, I, I say it right now. And Lord, you come in and do what only you can do. If you do that today, would you click the message button? It would be so thrilling to my heart to learn that you prayed that today, that you received him today watching this. This is such a holy moment. I feel the Holy Ghost moving so strong in this house. This is really something what I feel right now. I would love the opportunity to pray with Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.